above all other names. It is the name which gives us life. It is the name which gives us courage. It is the name which gives us strength. It is the name that we call on when we need it most. And it is the name of our friend. A friend who loves us and cares deeply for us. Who is always there for us. And never will forsake us. Thank you so much for all that you do to know that we are not alone in any of this and that we can hold your name tightly and we'll be okay we love you we thank you and praise you for setting us up for your word may your word run and do what only it can do in Jesus name amen you may have a seat so glad that you are here where did all of you come from? <laughs> Glad you're here. This is awesome. I was standing in the back earlier, and usually when I'm at the back at the beginning of the service, there's really not a lot of people here. It usually doesn't happen until I come up. But man, you guys showed up quick today. It's a beautiful day outside. You all right? Oh, you know what it is? It's that extra hour of sleep you got. You're like, let's go, right? Man. What a setup for today's sermon. The songs are great. Perfect way to segue into what we've got going. It's interesting to me as I think about the rise and fall of things. You know, growing up, I was a huge Chicago Bulls fan. Uh, those were the guys to watch. We had Michael Jordan and all of the main players there. And for a while, they were the team. And now they're not, right? You can look at any dynasty or major team. And you can see their rise and their fall, maybe except for the Eagles. <coughs> they just have not really gotten there yet. But they're, they're working on it, right? They're working on it. But it's not just sports teams. We find people all the time that rise to fame and rise to glory in the world standards. And then tank or they hit the downward slope. And then even more than that, we see kingdoms all around our world. We see governments all over the place that feel like they've got it handled and we watch them as they rise up to prominence, and then we watch them as they fall. It's always been that way, by the way. All kingdoms have risen. But most of them, if not all of them, at some point in time, they will fall. Except one. Except one. There's one that has been rising and continues to rise and will continue to rise and it will never fall and it's God's kingdom. God's kingdom has never fallen. Why? It's important that we understand why because that's cool that we're excited that his kingdom has never fallen but it's fallen because of a reason. Because there's a chief cornerstone that it's been built on. And that chief cornerstone, the way that it was laid, the way that it was purposefully placed Everything was built around that chief cornerstone, which gives it the life, the strength to withstand everything that comes against it. And that same cornerstone that the entire gospel message was built upon can be the same cornerstone in the building of your life. And the great part about that is the same kingdom that that cornerstone is built on, that same kingdom that will never fall, if you build your life on that cornerstone you will succeed in seeking God out with all of your heart, soul, mind, 
and strength. We fall because we get off the cornerstone. But when we are on that cornerstone, when it is built around it, the success rate is great. Because all kingdoms rise and fall, including your life. You will fall someday and you will die. But the kingdom of God will go on forever. And for those of us who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, for those of us who truly understand what it means to trust Jesus with everything, to give everything, we are building on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, on the great gospel message. Our life will be strong and built appropriately based on the scripture. Jesus is getting ready to unfold this message for the Pharisees. If you remember last week, he's talking to the guys, trying to help them understand about these, these wine or vine dressers, these workers that have leased the field from the vine, vineyard owner. And the vineyard owner has gone away and he has left these guys in charge. And the, at the time of the harvest, he sends workers back to these leasees, these vine dressers, these ones that are supposed to be taking care of the crop. And they beat up and they kill and they stone these messengers who were simply doing their job, carrying out the message from the owner. He sends another group and they do the same thing again. And then he sends his son. And wouldn't you know it? They take him outside of the vineyard walls and they stone him and they kill him. And Jesus simply asks them, who is better? What's going to happen? He didn't ask them who was better. He asked them, what's going to happen when the owner returns? Now these Pharisees aren't dumb. In fact, let's, oh man, let's look at the scripture real quick in Matthew 21. I got so excited, I just want to get into it. In Matthew 21 is where we're going to be. And Jesus is unloading this massive sermon, this massive parable on these men who are religious leaders who should know better than anybody else what he's getting at and what he's talking about. And in Matthew 21, we're going to pick up in verse 41 after the question of Jesus who asks, what do you think is going to happen to the vine dressers when the owner returns? In verse 41, they say to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably. And lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. They look at Jesus because they know the right answer is to simply say, well, he's going to take care of the evil ones. He's going to replace them with better ones to where his vineyard will produce the crops that it needs to produce. Which, by the way, is the right answer. If you work anywhere... When a worker is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, hopefully the owner or the boss is doing what they're supposed to be doing and either training them or getting rid of them to replace them properly. Unfortunately, the day and age we live in really doesn't do that very much. Jesus says to them, Jesus is so good. Have you never read in the scriptures? Now, remember who he's talking to? He's talking to the Pharisees, the scribes, the guys that know the law. They know the word. And he says, have you not read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the psalmist writing. He's like, do you not remember that? Do you not remember reading that? He says, therefore I say to you, based on that reading of the Old Testament, which you should know, here's what I want you to know. The kingdom of God will be taken from you. 
Wait a second, I thought we were talking about a parable of vine dressers where they've done wrong. Jesus skips the connection and goes straight at the point. He says, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to have the kingdom of God taken away from you. This opportunity of building into these people, it's going to be stripped away. He says, and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. That's going to be the Gentile nation. That's what he's speaking of. Because right now, it's really only meant for the Jews, the children of Israel. But he says, it's going to be not just for you anymore. That right and privilege is going to be taken away, and we're going to give it now to anyone that will listen. And watch verse 44. That 43 would have been enough, but he comes back with 44, and he's addressing everybody. Not just those that he's talking to, but us. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. He says, if you can fall over this stone and be broken, that's better than waiting till the end to where the stone comes flying down on top of you and pulverizing you to nothing. Now, when we read that, we're like, well, that's kind of weird. But he's speaking in two different instances here. He's speaking the here and now. When we hear the word of God and God pricks our heart, we should fall over being broken by the chief cornerstone, Jesus, who is speaking directly to us and be broken in that moment. Because brokenness can be healed. But he says, if you wait, when the stone falls, it will pulverize you into dust, then it's too late. Here's the response. When the chief priests and Pharisees in verse 45 heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. These guys are quick. They're quick. I don't know what part they caught on to when he said, you. But when they sought to lay hands on him, these guys are just done with Jesus. Like they're over it. They see that he's causing some issues, so they're like, okay, we're going we're to have to do something with this guy. They feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. There is one great advantage of being a follower of God. People respect the fact that you follow him and know that he is the avenger of such things. That's a good little tidbit to lock away. Interesting story, is it not? He's taking this whole time to tell this parable, but this parable is not just for us, but it's really directed at these Pharisees, these spiritual leaders, who are supposed to be building a group of people, building them in the ways of the Lord. But what they've done is they've blown it up to build them up in the way that they want to build them up, not in the way of the Lord. And Jesus is looking at them and saying, you messed it up. Either fix it or it's going to be taken away from you. And it's better to be broken now than to be pulverized later. By the way, remember about 130 years later after Jesus, the Pharisees just kind of disappear. So let's pick this apart. There's some things I want you to see, but here's the main thought that I want you to see today. Break now or be crushed later. Break now. Or be crushed later. That's so extreme, isn't it? So negative. 
It's a beautiful day outside. We got an extra hour of sleep. And you come in and the preacher says, break now or be crushed later. I don't like breaking now. It's too painful. It's not fun. I don't like being called out by people who love me and say, you're being a jerk. You're not being nice. You're not handling this the right way. You're not seeing it. I don't like that. But you know what I hate more? Let me rephrase that. What I don't like even more is when Jesus does it. Because he's brutal. But he's so nice about it. Alan, I love you, but man, you really goofed that up. Nobody else knows that I goofed it up, but he does. And he lovingly comes alongside me and says, hey, you just are walking away from this cornerstone. I need you to get back to it and be broken by it. I need you to be broken by my love for you. I need you to be broken by my truth. I need you to be broken by what I gave for you. I need you to be broken by that. Because if not, where you're heading will crush you later. And folks, I'm telling you this this morning because I love you, but you need to hear it. You better break now before it gets too late and be crushed by what you do not see coming. Break now. I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me. You know what it is for you. And if not, God's bringing it up right now. Guarantee it. I'm watching you squirm. Break now. Stop it. Or I'm telling you, you're going to get crushed. And being crushed is no fun. We need to break on the stone. You've got to break on the stone. You can't just break because you just think about things. It's got to be directed by Scripture so you know exactly what you need to break from or be broken over. We need to listen to the Spirit of God and talk to Him, not Facebook, not the Internet, not TikTok, whatever you want to put in there. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If it's not Christ... It's the wrong thing. We must be broken over the stone. Or we will be crushed by the same stone. In the end, when we stand before him, if we have not centered and built our life around him, it will crush us. So let's talk about being broken, because it's our favorite topic. Right? It's not the whole name it and claim it, the good stuff that you hear on television. This is the real stuff. This is where the real growth happens. The real joy and experience in God takes place in the brokenness. And we want to avoid it. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Again, it's not my favorite. But I have learned over my short life. That when I can accept it and submit to it, as painful as it is in the short moment, the reward far exceeds the pain that I had to go through to be broken. It just does. But in order for me to get better, in order for me to heal, I must be broken. It always astounds me when I hear people say, well, I broke this bone, and I thought it healed right, and I went to the doctor, went into surgery, and had to break it again. And I'm like, yeah. 
knock me out, something. Like to break it again. Why? Because it didn't heal right. you got to break it to reset it to get it to go to the right direction it's supposed to go. For healing to take place, for you to be a better version of you, for you to be more like Christ, you must be broken over the stone of who Christ is or it won't happen. It just won't. That stone is already set in place. It's immovable. And you must fall on it, not trip over it. Not a little dink with your big toe and say, oh, that's enough. I'm good. Jesus says, for he who falls on the stone will be broken. You got to fall on it. You got to let the Spirit of God through the Word of God do its work. And the only way to do that is to be open to it. You got to stay in it. You got to read it. You got to listen on it or listen to it. You got to meditate on it. You got to chew on it. You got to let it infiltrate your life to where you can be broken over the necessary things in your life that you need to be broken of. Why? Because you want to be healed. You want to be better. You want to be stronger. You want to be more in tune with him. You want to be useful to him. The Pharisees had it backwards. They thought the more we know, the the prouder we look, the better we walk, the better we are. Humility left them quickly. Gotta be broken. This is what's interesting to me. In order for me to be broken, I must choose to go to Jesus. He's always calling, by the way. Always working on us. It is my responsibility to go to him as he calls. If somebody, if you guys come to my front door and you ring my doorbell, you're calling. You're calling me to come let you in, right? The only way you can come in is if I say, come in after unlocking the door, or I come to the door and open the door and let you into my house. Unless you're just rude and you just come in. (laughs) Jesus is not that way. Jesus stands at the door knocking, waiting for you to open the door to let him in. It's the only way it works. It's intentional submission. It's not by happenstance. It's not by chance. It's me mentally, emotionally, physically making a determined decision to fall on Christ and to be broken by him. Luke 9, 24, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus speaking here, will save it. Sounds backwards to us. In order to find something, I got to lose it. Remember we've been talking about for months, for years really, how there's two different ways to look at what's going on here. We've got the worldview of everything that we see, but there's always something going on behind it. It's the spiritual realm. That is how you must look at this verse. Because if you look at it from the worldly perspective, they're going to tell you you're a fool. You're you're missing out. To find your life, go do all kinds of stuff. And what Jesus says is, no, no, no. If you want to find true life, Not your life, but true life. You must lose your life. 
And the way that we lose it is we fall on the stone and we are broken by it. This crushed part makes me nervous. It saddens me that people are all around the world thinking they're just going to be okay because they're a good person and they're going to be crushed someday. They're going to be pulverized into nothing. Do you know why we avoid being broken by the cornerstone? Because we know better. I know better. I don't need God to tell me how I'm supposed to live. I'm a good person. I got a brain in my head and I got a good heart. I know what's good. Good luck with that. Let me know how that works out. Because I can tell you for a fact, your heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know their own heart? No one. Now, I know many of you are sitting there thinking, man, I don't, I don't believe that. Exactly. Because your heart is deceitful and it's wicked and it wants you to believe that you're just enough good to be able to get to heaven and you're going to fall short and be pulverized someday by the great cornerstone of Jesus Christ. You better be careful. Don't avoid being broken by him because you think you know better. Because you do not. A lot of times, we are building it on the wrong stone. That's why we get crushed. We build it on the stone of politics or social media or, or alcohol or drugs or affairs or whatever you want to throw in there. That's what we base the growth of our life on. That's the cornerstone of what drives us. And the reality is that's what's going to crush you. It's the wrong placement. We've taken Jesus and we said, yes, I know Jesus, I believe in God, but we misplaced the cornerstone. We put it in the wrong position. Instead of it being the center driving force of our life, we put it on the shelf like we do everything else in our life that means something to us. It's the wrong placement. The placement of the chief cornerstone must be in the right spot. Dead center of your life and everything builds off of it. And sometimes we think, well, it fits better over here. When I'm at school, let me tell you a story. When I played high school soccer and college soccer, sadly for me, I was two different people. Super nice guy, off the field, good Christian kid. Really didn't get in a lot of trouble. But on the field, a little bit different. Cussed like a sailor. Embarrassed myself one time playing college. Made a mistake, let one fly, and the crowd just happened to be quiet as a church mouse in that moment. And my mom was sitting in the stands and heard it. All of my friends that were sitting there turned and looked at her to see what she was going to do. <clears throat> As you can see, I'm still standing today. I thought that because I was a good kid off the field, because I claimed that, well, I just, I'm in the moment, I don't really know what's going on, that it was okay. What a fool I was. What a fool I was. And it cost me in a lot of ways. Cost me my testimony to a lot of my teammates. Disappointed my mom, embarrassed her in front of all my friends. 
crushed me. Actually, it didn't crush me. It broke me to where I could make the necessary change. Many of you wonder why I don't get super competitive. Now you know. <laughs> Have to keep that in a nice, safe spot. It fits better over there. It don't fit on the cornerstone, that's for sure. <clears throat> so when we are crushed, here's what's interesting. When I was studying about uh, the idea of, of um, stoning and being crushed by the stones, I've always heard uh, two different ways that it was just, uh, it wasn't pebbles being thrown. It was pretty good-sized boulders being thrown at the person until they were dead. I've also heard that they would be buried uh, up to their neck, and that's how they were stoned. Those are the two things that I've heard. Well, I found a new one. They would build a tower that was two stories high, and they would find a massive rock. They would place the person underneath it, and they would push the rock off onto them to crush them. And if it didn't kill them, they would find another one that would. And that is what we're talking about when we talk about the crushing blow that Jesus is referencing. Sounds great, right? Oh, but God would not do that to me. I love him, and I've trusted him. Great. Are you living for him? Are you truly following him with everything that's within you? Are you loving him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself? Because if you're not, you're building on the wrong cornerstone. And the real cornerstone will crush you someday. Vengeance is mine. And recompense, their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. This is out of Deuteronomy. Jesus is talking through all of these things, and he says, listen, when it comes down to it, you don't have to carry anything out. That's my job. I used to tell kids when I drove the school bus in the mornings and in the afternoons, I would tell them, look, don't retaliate. Who can do more damage, me as the bus driver getting this kid in trouble, or you? I can do a lot more. Let me handle it. You just come tell me, I will handle it and take care of it. And God is looking at us and saying, listen, there's a lot of people that's against you. A lot of people making you do things you don't want to do. A lot of people that are mistreating you because of your faith. You don't have to fight back as much because I will take vengeance someday. All of these things that we feel like we haven't gotten justice for, let me tell you something. Your God who absolutely loves you will absolutely carry out justice one day and will crush those who absolutely deserve it. That's good stuff, by the way. That's encouraging to me. Tells me I can be free of a lot of grief and frustration because I know my God will fight my battles and crush those that need to be crushed. I don't have a list yet, but I'm working on it. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, by, but what is it that we should fall on or be crushed by? Now we've talked a lot about different variations and different things, but let's look at what that looks like. It's the stone, it's Jesus. In Psalm 118, listen to these verses. This is what, we, what Jesus quoted, but there's one at the end that we've always separated but listen to it. It says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, wait a second. We've always taken that to mean that, well, it's every day that God has made that we will rejoice. That's not what he's talking about. 
He's talking about the day that the stone was set in place as the chief cornerstone for all those that would follow God to be built upon. That's the day that we will rejoice. When Christ gave his life on the cross for your sins and was buried and rose again, that is the day that we will rejoice in because that is the day that gives us the victory and the courage and the strength and the power to live for him for the rest of our lives if we build on that cornerstone. We have to be careful when we cherry pick verses because that is absolutely connected to the right thing. Does God make our days and should we rejoice in it? Sure, but that's not what that verse means. That verse is attached to something much deeper. So not only is it Jesus, but it's also a reset. That's what the stone, this, this cornerstone that we should fall on and be broken, it's a reset. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we've talked about this verse a ton. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy Sometimes we get to the sacrifice and we're like, yeah, 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 and just read on. We present our bodies to God holy. Not holy, but in a holy manner. It is to God. I don't need to add anything to me. He's already created me the way that he wants me to create, to be created. And he just wants me to simply give everything to him. Acceptable to God. We hear a lot, just come as you are. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. But don't leave the same way you came in. If we're going to present our bodies to God, holy and acceptable, then we need to leave with him as our cornerstone, broken over the things that we should be broken over in order to heal and be what he's created us to be. And that last little part, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. For all that God has done for us, number one, he created you, especially as you are. That's a unique thing, that the creator of the world created you how you are. But then he goes to extreme measures to prove to you his love for you. And his desire to have that relationship with you. It's only reasonable that we stop living for ourselves and build our life on the chief cornerstone that we may reflect the glory of who he truly is. That's reasonable service. And then he says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Have a reset by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is a retraining of our brain. It's a resetting from what we once were to what God wants us to be, all based around the chief cornerstone that we are built upon. Amen? Amen. But also the example. This stone is multifaceted. It's Jesus. It's the word. It's the reset. It's his example. It's all of those things. Philippians 2, 5 and 8. It says, let this mind be in you. In other words, every person that's hearing the sound of my voice and reading this verse, it's talking to you. Let the mind, this mind, the mind that we're getting ready to read about, it should inhabit all of us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in, say it with me, Christ Jesus. 
our cornerstone. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but what did he do? He made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. That's our example. That's the cornerstone that we are building our life on. That we are denying ourselves and living for something better. But we don't like that. We want to avoid that because I want to be me and I want to be who I think I am. And God's just going to have to learn to work with that. Please show me in scripture where that is taught. That again goes back to that whole deceitful, desperately wicked heart that tricks us and leads us into a different direction than what the cornerstone actually says. Because my cornerstone says, Alan, you need to forget yourself and be conformed to the likeness of Christ. And be willing to go all the way to the death to which I have done of my own life in the spiritual sense. It's not about me anymore. If it was, I certainly wouldn't be doing this, just to be honest. So how do we heal when broken? Or what do we ignore before being crushed? How do we heal? When we are broken, how do we heal from that? Or what are we avoiding before we get crushed? It's a fair question. Does it make sense what I'm asking? When I know that I'm being broken, where do I go? And before I am crushed, what am I avoiding? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture. All scripture. This wonderful collection of historical documents and psalms and parables and letters. What we call the Bible. All scripture. All of it. Start to finish, beginning to end. All of it is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. It's good for us. It helps us. It helps us gain ground. It's profitable. For doctrine, what you believe. For reproof, breaking you and fixing you. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. By the way, how many of you had to be taught how to sin? Didn't think so. How many of you had to be taught how to do what was right? All of us do. Because our hearts want to do what's wrong because we're wicked. But through Christ, our hearts can be changed. It can be conformed to the mind of Christ, to his life, to his example. And be what we are called to be. Why? Because the scripture that has been given to us, that has outlasted any other collection of books, by the way, has stayed true and stood the test of time and has been strong and it is good for us to be instructed by it because it is the only thing that can truly tell us what is right and what is wrong. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to know what you're supposed to do? It's already in there. But Alan, it doesn't say specifically my problem. Probably not because that's how we like to 
trick ourselves into thinking that the Bible's not speaking to it. The Bible speaks to everything. It's a matter of peeling back the layers and doing a little hard work and being willing to be broken over our own wants and desires and preconceived notions to truly see truth. That's where the problem is. We want the easy fix. And God doesn't always give the easy fix. He allows us to dig a little bit and work a little bit and scratch to get to where we need to be. You see, that cornerstone is buried because it's the foundation that it's built on. And we've got to scratch everything back to get back to where we really need to be to rebuild when we are broken. Because we pile all kinds of garbage on it. We pile all kinds of stuff that does not help us. And it's time to be peeling that stuff back in order to be broken the way that we are supposed to be. God gave constant direction all the way through. All the way back to the beginning of time. With Adam and Eve, what was his directions? Hey, don't eat of that tree. That's all you got to do. Just don't eat of it. We couldn't even do that. And now look at us. Our world is so jacked up. There is no hope of it fixing itself. But there is hope in it being fixed. It is in Christ. Now, do I believe it's going to be fixed? No, because I've read Revel- or I'm reading Revelation, studying it heavily, and it's not going to fix. Can it be fixed? Yes, because my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. If he wanted to fix it, it'd be fixed. But he's letting it play out because that's the plan. But all this time, God has given constant direction. But the builders, the Pharisees, the builders in this passage, they're the ones that give misdirection. They have misdirected because they became focused on themselves and what they wanted. But Jesus came and he redirected. He's changing their thinking. He's changing their teaching. He's redirecting them not to something that's different, but it's better. It's clearer. It's more accurate. And the Holy Spirit continues to direct as the spirit of the world continues to misdirect. Which spirit are you going to listen to? Now, don't, don't answer out loud because I know, I know the Sunday school answer. I, I know the answer we're supposed to give. I'm not asking for the Sunday school answer this morning. I'm asking you to dig deep into your heart and to ask God, God, what spirit am I really listening to? And being willing to hear from him, and it might just result in some brokenness this morning. Oh, pastor, I can't do that. I cannot let people see me broken. I am this person, I do this, and I hold myself in this way, and people can't see that I've got something going on. I've got to hold it together. When that big stone falls, you're not going to have anything to hold together. You better let it go now. It is okay to be broken. Did you know that it's okay to not be okay? There are some broken individuals in here that are trying to put on a good face and keep it all together. Stop it. You are making yourself miserable. God offers brokenness and healing for you. He knows What's hurting you? And he wants to heal that. He knows where you need to break, and he wants to heal that. Don't wait any longer. 
John 14, 25 through 27 says this. But these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's speaking to the disciples, and he's laying the law down of, hey, here's what's getting ready to go down, and you're going to have some trouble. And he says, but don't lose heart. You don't have to be afraid. Because just because I'm going to be going, I'm not going to be physically here with you anymore, but you know me and you trust me. You've seen what I've done. You've heard what I've said. You've experienced bigger things than anything in your life. And when I tell you I'm going away and my father is going to send somebody better, the helper that will live with you internally, you can trust me on that. And when he comes, he will help you. When you get in that spot and you're not sure what you're supposed to do, he will bring things to mind. The question is, will you listen to it? He will prick your heart and say, red flag, don't do that. Don't look at that. Don't think that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Oh, but I know what's best. I can handle that. Been a lot of great empires that thought that they could handle a lot of things. And at some point in time, they all fall. You may be able to handle a lot of things on your own strength, but I'm telling you right now, someday you will fall. It is time this morning that we as individual believers and as a congregation of Townsend Church begin to be broken over whatever God wants to break us over. Because you need to break now. Or be crushed later. Let me tell you something. It's not worth waiting for. Today is the day. Today is the day. Now is the time to be broken. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Number one, are you directed by the spirit of God or misdirected by the spirit of the world? Which spirit are you listening to? What everybody else says? What your friends say? Or are you truly listening to the Spirit of God? And you may say, well, Alan, I don't know what that means. I don't even know what that, that sounds like. Me either a lot of times. But here's what I do know. I do know that whatever comes into my mind, if it does not agree with Scripture, it's not from God. That's test number one. And if it comes into your mind and you're not sure if it's in the Scripture, you might have to dig. Or you may have to come ask me. Or somebody else that you trust. That's okay, but do not make a rash snap decision if you're not sure. But if it comes to mind and you know that it's scripture, now you're responsible. Now you got to do something. So which spirit are you being led by? Which spirit? It's a simple question. And it really does have a simple answer if you're honest with yourself. And if you can be honest with yourself, the Lord can work with that. If you answer and say, absolutely, I'm following the Spirit of God, you know what he's going to do? He's going to say, you absolutely are, and we're going to ramp it up just a little bit. And he may say, when you say, I'm absolutely listening to the Spirit of God, he may say, no, you're not. You never have. You do on the things that are easy. You do on the things that you want to, but you don't listen to the things that I need you to listen to. If that's you this morning, today is your day to submit to a holy God. I'm not asking you to get resaved. 
I'm simply asking you to unclog your ears this morning and get a little courage and to follow the spirit that knows you best. Here's the second one. What has God been attempting to break you from? Listen, we all have something. It may be big and visible. It may be big and internal. It may be small and visible or small and internal. I don't know. I know what it is for me. And you already know what it is for you. Can I just ask you, can you just be courageous this morning and be broken of it over the, over the stone? Because I don't want you to be crushed. Do you know how hard it is for me to have to work with you when you're crushed? I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me, but please remember that when you go in the directions that you go, it doesn't just affect you. It breaks your friends' hearts and your family's hearts, and it breaks my heart. Can we just stop playing the game and just be truly broken over our stuff and follow the Spirit of God? Are you looking to Jesus for a reset of your life based on his example? The real question is, who are you really looking to to build your life? Man, I hope it's Jesus. I hope it's the Spirit of God that continually messes with you and you continually submit to him. Listen, these stairs that are up here are always open for you. You've got your chair. You can sit right there. You can kneel there. I'm going to be standing up here. You can come talk to me. But seriously, folks, I'm not a beggar, but it is high time we start moving. The days are getting shorter, literally. Our time to make the necessary changes, it's now. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not even guaranteed to make it home today. Not trying to play with your emotions. I'm just trying to be real with you. Stop playing the game. The Spirit of God is always calling. The question is, are you willing to listen to it today and be broken over the things that he's calling you to be broken over? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your truth. <clears throat> your word is so good. It is so accurate, and it is so powerful. And I just ask that in your infinite wisdom and in your power, that your spirit move freely this morning and move people to move for you, God. Give them the courage to get out of their seat, to make hard decisions, hard conversations, to be willing to be broken and to stop following their own hearts. May you continue to move as only you can in Jesus' name.